fourth straight game. It's a 17-7 lead. Then in the second. Navarre gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan. And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27-24. And the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. Gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan! And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24. And the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. WCBN.org. On to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath Ann Arbor as Navarre gets set. Places down. Kick is up. It's long enough. It's good. It's good. Michigan wins the game. Michigan shocks Washington. And the Wolverines are victorious. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And obviously, the election starts for Michigan voters at 7 a.m. tomorrow. The polls close at 8. I don't think we have early voting in Michigan. We only can do absentee here. And there are uh, some interesting reasons why early voting actually doesn't help turnout. Uh, Mail-in voting does, but uh, we'll talk about that sort of nonsense at some other point. Um, I've spent the last couple of weeks watching a lot of Senate debates to get a thematic sense of the election. And obviously, if the polls are correct, uh, the Democrats are going to suffer losses. The question is how big are the losses and the $64,000 question is can they get out the ground troops, so to speak, the ground game. Uh, the GOP has clearly won the air wars to the extent that they've won anything. But uh, we'll talk about several uh, things I believe here. And I guess what I'm going to start out with are sort of the big ideas that I have uh, observation-wise. Go for it. Go for it. And you can uh, chime in. Yeah. And then we'll let you take over for a while, and then I'll chime in. <laughs> <laughs> I say the big losers are going to be the United States of America. I think this election has been a farce. I don't think uh, real questions have been asked in a lot of the debates. Uh, some of the debates have been substantive. Some of them have just simply been 
simplistic rehash of really trivial issues. I'll give you an example. In almost every Senate debate I saw, there were no questions really about the U.S. military budget, the spending involved with the fact that military spending is half of discretionary spending in the budget, uh, that the uh, estimates on military spending in the United States, when you add in the Energy Department, uh, the Veterans Affairs, uh, interest on the debt, and actual operational defense spending is close to a trillion dollars. So we hear a lot of simplistic rubbish about cutting spending, no specifics. Instead, what we had was a big focus on don't ask, don't tell. Uh, a really minor issue in my mind, uh, something that is an evolving policy that, uh, in fact, the United States Senate uh, will pick up at some future point. Uh, but it's not going to be a issue that, I mean, if the Republicans want to filibuster it, they're going to be able to, even if they don't control the Senate. Uh, this is sort of a internal military policy that's really got very little to do with the Senate. Now, the budget issue is a big issue, not addressed. Uh, there's a lot of talk about cutting spending. That's been a big uh, talking point of the Republican Party. It's very simple. It doesn't get down to any of the gritty, nitty-gritty and the details. I didn't hear a single question asked in a single debate about Medicaid. Medicaid is a big entitlement program that's both a state and uh, state government and federal responsibility. If you'll recall, the Republicans were successful at pushing this expense onto the states. State budgets around the country are between $150 billion and $200 billion in deficit. Accounting gimmickry is being used to uh, deal with these problems. Of course, states were expected to pick up additional security costs post 9-11. Yeah. So there are other examples of the so-called unfunded mandates that falls under that uh, rubric. Medicaid is essentially an insolvent program in uh, five years. And much of the Medicaid spending, by the way, is spent on end-of-life care for seniors. Basically, they expect you the consumer, the person out there, to pretty much, if you're an elderly person in the f final months of your life, to pretty much uh, pretty much give away everything you've got to stay alive for a couple of uh, months till you qualify for Medicaid. And uh, I'll give you an example. In the state of Alabama, uh, your income can only be $2,000 to even qualify for Medicaid. So this is an enormous entitlements issues connected to taxes, connected to spending, not one question about it. Stood a lot of uh, hot air about earmarks. Um, I didn't hear any questions about what the real jobs programs are or any systematic analysis of the structural problems with the American economy. In 1973, in response to America assisting Israel, another question that was really never asked anywhere, Middle, Middle East politics, Nothing about foreign policy. Nothing at all. Virtually. There were some questions about Afghanistan. Nothing about the, uh, the Mideast and where all of our troops are currently located in the big picture. There was an oil embargo. This caused a structural change in the American economy because oil prices went up, uh, you know, some estimates are one and a half times, some are two times. For the record, I, had a, I was uh, in junior high back in those days, and I had a lawn mowing job. I can remember when gasoline was 29 cents a Indeed. gallon. 29.9. 9999. 9, 9, 9, 
Uh, and it went up to 73. Now, I had that was a real impact on me. I bought a lawnmower for 15 bucks off Bobby Carpenter, and I had, you know, four or five little uh, lawns in my neighborhood, made a little extra cash. I think back in those days, I was charging five bucks to cut somebody's grass. Times have changed. But you know what? Pay hasn't. And the structural problems with the decline of average middle class pay, not asked one question about it. Instead, we have talking points about class warfare and extending the tax cuts for rich people next, you know, next in, in, in the lame duck session of Congress in the next couple of months. No systematic questions about how the American economy from 1973 until the end of the recession in 1982, the Reagan recession, that's 10 years. That's a structural decline in which millions of high-paying manufacturing jobs in the United States were lost, that America's foreign policy was connected to the oil issue. Nothing. I didn't even hear a question about the BP situation. <laughs> or bung plug, for that matter. <laughs> Instead, uh, quest questions were like, what can you say nice about your opponent? What do you like about your opponent? You know, the, the Mickey Mouse stuff. Um, this country is facing a tidal wave, but I don't know where it's going. So I'm going to enumerate some of the losers, because there aren't going to be any winners in this election. Except for the whiners on Fox and the bottom line of some media companies uh, that sold all this television advertising. Let's remember that in Ohio, uh, the Republicans, outside groups are able to pour in a seven-to-one ratio in a Senate race in Ohio to pretty much give the seat to Bob Portman. In Delaware, $25 million, or excuse me, in Nevada, it's been estimated that $25 million of outside interest money has been poured into the race to defeat Harry Reid to elect a racist idiot named Sharon Engel, who's made so many outrageous statements she should be deported to Yemen. <laughs> Let her live with the tribes. So the bottom line of the media companies that have benefited from this uh, advertising will, uh, um, you know, they're, they're about the only winners here. Um, let me detail who the losers are going to be. First of all, the Democrats are clearly going to lose seats, control. Uh, Gerrymandering is going to be a big un unknown uh, when, after the results are in, we'll have to deal with that next week. The blue dog Democrats are going to be big losers. In other words, the Republicans are going to reacquire seats that the Democrats have won over the last two election cycles. Blanche Lincoln, big loser. She was very impediment-oriented when they were trying to get through the health care debate. She was one of the delayers and one of the people that was screaming about the deficit. And she's going to lose. Sarah Palin is going to be a loser. Who are her big candidates that she's backed? O'Donnell, uh, Ken Buck, Joe Miller in Alaska, and uh, Sharon Angle in um, Nevada. Rand Paul looks like he's going to win, but Rand Paul's got a unique situation. He's a celebrity. He's the son of Ron Paul. Americans love celebrities, and that's the problem. Other losers, Harry Reid. Um, He's going to lose even if he wins because he's got to be replaced as uh, Speaker of the House. Nancy Pelosi, um, who's tough behind the scenes, 
$75 million have been spent on anti-Nancy Pelosi ads in this election, as if she is somehow running America. This is ridiculous. Um, the GOP is going to be a big loser because they're going to have to deal with the civil war in the Republican Party, and you can already see that. The sparks are only beginning to fly Only there. beginning. It's going to be guns, pitchforks. Buzzsaws. And, boy, I don't know if those country clubs are going to be safe to continue to drink those martinis and play golf. We'll find out. Russ Feingold's going to lose, uh, probably. That's remarkable. One of the most independent senators, one of the most rational senators. But he's got an incumbency problem. Throw the bums out. We want inexperienced people, according to the polls. Americans want inexperienced people to take over. Well, let's ask those people if they want to go take their car to be fixed by a mechanic that doesn't know what he's doing. Or go to, uh, go to a hospital and have a doctor. I'm new at this. I'm new at this. Tell me what to do. I'll use the web to make the incision. I'll get some advice from Dr. Rand Paul. Or Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick. So uh, there aren't going to be any winners. And uh, needless to say, the big winner is going to be gridlock. And what does that mean? The American economy is going nowhere for two years, and it might be an entire decade. Because the young, the poor, the minorities, they don't know what's going to happen because they're too busy watching reality television. And being entertained with their twittering and their tweeting and their bopping and their beeping to hip-hop. Distracto boxes. It's scary. I, I don't know what's scarier, watching what's about to unfold or watching 50 million people sit by and let it happen. It's incredible, but not surprising. And see, the success of all of the barrage of the air wars... The, uh, you know, the big winner here is going to be Citizens United that the Supreme Court decided, because this is just the beginning. Corporate America is going to be the big winner. The multinational corporations are going to continue to pursue their agenda. They don't give a damn about the United States of America. They care about one thing, money. And the last time I read the Bible, money is the root of all evil. Ever hear that from Sarah Palin? No. She doesn't read the Bible. She just thumps the Bible. So it's, it's scary. Uh, and I know Halloween just got ended, uh, just got over <laughs> with. But uh, it's going to be Halloween every day. More tricks than treats. Indeed. Well, and of course, the response to more tricks than treats is what kind of cycle of ugliness will be engendered. Yeah. Uh, because as you allude to with the I don't know if the country clubs will be safe uh, remark, uh, things could get really ugly. And they already have. Yeah. I mean, you know, people with signs are getting stomped on at rallies. Um, Congre Congress, uh, Republican representatives, one from Florida, one from uh, Texas, have openly talked about armed warfare. Um. You know, Sharon Angle talked about second remedy, uh, second amendment remedies. Uh, scary. Um, and as for Obama, you know what he's got to do? Uh, my advice to him is take six weeks off. 
Just say, look, I'm my job description's Article Two of of the U.S. Constitution. Here it is. You know, you know that one thing. Yeah, it's interesting that he's going to India uh, on Friday, the take, world's biggest democracy. Take six weeks off. Um, he should go to Kathmandu and find his center. Sharpen the a veto pen, and then come back and say, okay, there ain't going to be any bailouts for casinos and banks and insurance corporations and oil companies. The subsidies are over. The corporate welfare is over. People want to cut the spending. Let's see the cuts. Oh, and by the way, we're accelerating our withdrawal from Iraq. That's costing way too much money. This guy has got to approach this as a basketball coach who's down at halftime where the strategy in basketball is, okay, we're coming out in the second half and we're hitting them with a full-court press. Right. That's what he's got to do. He's got to speed up the pace of the game, and he has to get the lollygaggers out of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party, by the way, could benefit from many of these losses. If they get rid of these blue dogs, Democrats, and there's 54 of them, with 34 to 37 of them, quote, in trouble, most of the Democratic losses are going to be blue dogs. They're not going to be uh, Barney Frank or Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she's going she's gonna to retain her seat, whether she retains her leadership position. I don't know, but he's got to sharpen the veto pen. And it's remarkable that you have, you have a state like Nevada where the unemployment rate's quite high, uh, and uh, Sharon Angle is blaming Harry Reid for this. All this overbuilding occurred in the Bush administration when there was easy credit and fraud going on rampant in the financial industry with... Deregulation, no oversight. This train wreck happened under George Bush. The, the worst irony of Obama's situation was that he was inaugurated on the 20th of January 2009. If he'd been inaugurated in March of 2009, uh, the, 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 the uh, public would have seen how bad the economy was. We'll talk about the stimulus thing and all these sort of minor details uh, in upcoming shows. But, uh, the, folks, there's just not going to be any winners um, I think that it's interesting. The, the, the one, uh, there's about five or six states that keep your eyes on. If the Democrats narrowly win these states, the uh, margin could be not as big as expected. The best case scenario for the Democrats is they lose 35 seats in the House and Harry Reid is defeated, but they keep control of the Senate. Then they don't have to have an intraparty squabble over mm. who the leadership is. He can be thrown under the bus. And then you can have a, lim a living, live human being who adheres to the Tea Party philosophy live in the Senate every day. Her and Michelle Bachman can drink tea together with, she with, with, with uh, Christine O'Donnell, and they can sit around the witch table and talk about eyes of Newt. Throw the bones. <laughs> and it's going to be hilarious to watch this uh, civil war in the Republican Party. You know, I just finished a book about the Tea Party, and the most remarkable thing about the Tea Party is they can't name a single thing. I, I saw, I saw four, four of them on television the other night on O'Donnell's show, the brand new one. haven't seen much of it, uh, his show, so I don't have a real good sense of... Uh, he's a former um, Senate aide uh, to Daniel Patrick Moynihan, as I recall, so he's mm. sort of a slightly left-of-center uh, Democrat in his perspective, he asked the Tea Party for specifics on the budget. They didn't know anything. They don't know anything about what they're talking about. They, they couldn't even talk about Medicare. One guy said, well, let's cut all the, the, uh, the um, 
social disability, the uh, social social security disability. He said there's fraud and abuse in that program. Well, Donald said, how much will you cut it? Fifty percent. Okay, let's go after the cripples first. <laughs> and that's you know not not meant to be offensive. It's meant to be sarcastic. Right. Let's uh let's take Tiny Tim and bang him over the head and cut him and throw him in the snow. One wonders the caliber of staffers that such uh, Congress people might find. Well, they seem to have no shortage of thuggery. <laughs> this could be the new norm yeah. in uh, congressional staffing. Pretty incredible stuff. Well, clearly, as you've detailed uh, in numerous possible angles, politics has really become, it's been made to become an empty theater, yeah. largely empty theater. We even have the traditional, you know, bogeyman flickering in the background. Of course, there's the uh, sort of quasi-bogus uh, terror tourism threat where, ooh, bombs on planes that might have gone off in France. And, well, we don't like France anyway, so that's okay, but that's bad. That's tourism. Uh, that always comes up at election time, some sort of uh, terror angle. Um, the unquestioned status of Afghanistan as a 51st state, virtually, the amount of monies that mm -hmm. it receives. And uh, one thought that comes to mind as you outline possible scenarios, uh, end-of-life care could turn out to be murder-suicide. That uh, America is well-armed and, well, when you can't afford to sell off any more of the possessions in your trailer, it's time to get out the gun and just end it in a good old-fashioned American way. Yeah, and these things happen, by the way. They're, they don't happen every day, but they happen almost every week. There are just unbelievable stories of despair. Despair in which, uh, you know, the uh, angry white man uh, with his shotgun uh, kills his family. <laughs> I, I've got nothing to live for, and I'm going to kill my kids, right. too. Well, Bob Dylan sung about it once in a song called Hollis Brown, and it is a scenario that plays out repeatedly and increasingly. That ain't a death panel. That's just the death penalty. Right. Being imposed uh, against the law. Well, prosecute the guy. We can execute his corpse. Yeah. That'll make me feel good. Just as I've, I felt really safer when they executed that mentally retarded woman in uh, Virginia a couple months ago. Or when, when she had accomplices yeah. that were involved that got off. Uh, this country has really become a farce in so many ways that New York Senate debate, ridiculous. <laughs> but the rent is too goddamn high. <laughs> this much we can't agree on. And, and I'll marry a shoe on the issue of don't ask, don't tell. I don't care yeah, about marriage. I, I mean, that almost reads like a Eugene Ionesco play. You know? I'll marry a shoe. I was like, you mean the old woman in the shoe that had too many kids and didn't know what to do? Yeah. Uh, Good gracious. Well, the, the context for this Halloween scenario, which we unhappily anticipate is, I think, multifaceted and deserves a, a little bit of a look, although we do comment on this sort of thing regularly on uh, Gray Matters. It's amazing how frequently overlooked some of these really obvious glaring problems are. For First on my list is that uh, we have become a nation breastfed on American exceptionalism. Uh, this mm -hmm. distorted view of the world that privileges uh, propagandistic elitist attitude, which 
may once have been true when America was truly the most powerful nation in the world and its working people the most comfortable and well-off. This is no longer true, and yet people still continue to suck away at the withered dream of American elitism. We control the world. We police the world. Uh, We can no longer afford that. That is an idle fantasy whose time is well past. There's a lot of misdirected rage in this country uh, at all sorts of people, even working people. There's a bizarre radio ad on TV right now that harvests a radio ad uh, on the airwaves right Mm now uh, that harvests this sort of every man's anger. And it features a voiceover by Dennis Leary, the crusty, sarcastic uh, stand-up comic guy who proudly wears his blue-collar credentials as part of his normal shtick. But the tone of the ad is problematic because what he's saying is the guy at the gas station isn't waving at you because he's your friend. When you pull in, he makes money. Well, gee, Dennis... I know you're shilling for a car company in this ad, and the car happens to have good mileage, and that's really the point of the ad. But why are you attacking the poor slob who runs the pump at the gas station? Those guys make pennies a gallon. Sure. They aren't the oil companies who profit grotesquely off of this outdated, antiquated... uh, corporate enterprise of pollution. Uh, So why is Dennis Larry attacking the working guy? Well, it's just the popular thing to do. Uh, Because that's what's happened in the media since, well, for decades now, the uh, organized corporate media attack on the working man uh, is a consistent factor in American history. And when labor unions are 7% of the working public, uh, which is roughly the percentage that they are, attacking them is easy. They're small. They're like the Hispanics. Attack them. Yeah. Use racist ads, uh, you know, or, or racist, uh, uh, continue with the racist agenda of, of the Fox News Network um, that attacks Muslims and Hispanics. Because these are implied attacks on all people of color. They don't have Indeed. to use the African-American symbol anymore. They have plenty of their own. They bellyache about immigration. They don't do anything about the immigration problem for a decade. Now they're trying to blame Obama for something that they didn't do when they were in charge back when Bush was president. Why not? Because the immigration issue is a better unsolved problem to get votes than to actually come up with either money or substantive programs to deal with the situation. Ghosts and fiction. You know, why, uh, why not show gang members... With scary uh, looking uh, clothing and outfits and guns. Crazy Mexican tattoos. Tattoos that are, you know, with Sharon Angle's ad where they're about to grab your children out of an elementary school. <laughs> One candidate even claimed Phoenix was the kidnapping uh, capital of the world. Um, I'm not aware of any kidnapping. Will those Mexican drug lords stop at nothing <laughs> to I, destroy our democracy? I don't know of any uh, kidnappings in, Me- in Phoenix. Well, the other item on my agenda here for the uh, list... Other than John McCain, who may have been captured by... Aliens. Hal. (laughs) And he's out there floating around without his space helmet. You're going to find that difficult, John McClain. (laughs) Well, my other major factor in the context for this Halloween scenario is the low respect for education in this country. And, of course, you get a lot of... Money spent on schools is wasted because there's a lot of hate for teachers. They get summers off 
yada yada. Uh, there's another union group, uh, easy to uh, beat up on, uh, poorly understood uh, job. Uh, you see from recent tweets and Twitters from uh, the mama, mama grizzly, Sarah Palin, uh, that feminists are elitist college professors against motherhood. Or you hear teabaggers say that Obama comes across as a college professor. Yet, theoretically, people want to send their children to college, or at least to a safe version of college, where the storybook version of America, favored by the right wing in this country, uh, and the muddled or the misled, will not be challenged. So there's this weird disjunct between, I want my child to be educated, and I hate professors. Yeah. Or, those people can't be trusted. They've been educated. Right. Or, you know, and this this is this anti-intellectual theme goes way back in American politics. It's been around forever and it will continue. But of course, what are the solutions that they have? Abolish the Department of Education. That I mean, I heard several Senate candidates openly say that. That's a solution. Okay, well, get rid of the Pell Grants and the uh Stafford loans and see what happens. That's mainly what the Department of Education right. does. They talk about all these bureaucrats. I think it's got about 5,000 employees. It's not that big of an entity of the government, but compare it to the Pentagon. Right. Or here is a substantive thing that I dug up that's just fascinating. This is a uh, article, an editorial by the Ann Arbor News Bureau Chief Peter Luke, who I think still makes uh, cameos for uh, annarbor.com here in Ann Arbor. This is dated from the 16th of March, 2003. Incoming uh, Governor Jennifer Granholm had uh, basically just come into uh, power back uh, back then. Uh, she's term limited. That's why she can't term limits. That's another magical solution that the Republicans yeah. keep throwing around. Turn to crap in our hands. Yeah, here in Michigan. Um, and she talks. Uh, he talks about the budget here, and it says prisons slip ahead of colleges in budget priorities. This is from a decade ago, almost. Granholm's proposal for uh, prison uh, budget totals $1.72 billion. The proposed budget for Michigan's 15 public universities, scholarships programs, is $1.75 billion. Compare that to five years ago when higher education was spending $1.6 billion and prison spending totaled $1.4 billion. Well, those are the priorities that get tough on crime was all about. And to Jennifer Granholm's credit, she's cut a lot of prison spending mm -hmm. in the last couple of years by releasing nonviolent offenders. That's what's got to happen. Um, and it's, it's remarkable that uh, more money was going to be spent in the budget, the actual budget of the state of Michigan, then th this accounted for roughly 20% of the entire budget for prisons. You want to be tough on crime? Pay for it. Look at the problems they're having in California with three strikes and you're out. Um, well, it's a matter of what kind of country do you want to be. Yeah. A country where you invest in movement towards the future through education, uh, scientific research, exploration, uh, debate, discussion, dialogue, discourse, uh, foreign languages. Hey, there's a great one to study um, in this, you know, uh, interconnected world where we're waging war in countries we can't even speak the local lingo. Uh, or we do we want to become a country that has no alternative but to lock up its unemployed, its unwanted, its improperly trained, its uh, alcoholic uh, it's increasingly criminal base. Why are they increasingly criminal? 
because there are increasing numbers of stupid crimes. When you uh, there's this big debate about the uh, Mexican uh, drug lords and the California, uh, some of the areas in California that are voting uh, to legalize uh, in certain counties. And of course, everyone seems to have forgotten prohibition. Uh, oh, this will, you know, there'll 